Aloha Maui. This is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhart. And Brian Thomas. There we go. Got the pace on that one. This is show 144, The Solar Coaster. We're talking about Hyundai, a company we uh, we know, we've heard of in the car market. They're doing some pretty uh, amazing things uh, outside of just producing vehicles these days. Uh, we've got an interview with Hyundai Mobis and talking about all the kind of future-leading ideas about vehicles. Uh, and uh, then, of course, Hyundai and Uber partnership here in Air Mobility. What say you, Jay? Well, you said they're the vehicles, but they, they are vehicles of a, of a sort. They're just not automobiles, as we've traditionally come to expect from them, right? Kind of like carts, rolling chassis that do all kinds of cool stuff for you. I mean, that was kind of partly the theme of CES 2020 was this vehicle space. It almost felt like maybe if 10 years ago or so, the our iPhones, uh, we started creating our you know these kind of virtual surrogates of ourselves and our and our phones. Now it's like the car is going to take over that 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 uh, that mantle or whatever, and, and just kind of uh, become the center of our, our lives. And these 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 uh, these vehicles, though, yeah, some of them didn't even have um, you know steering wheels, right? They were basically just like little buses. Yeah, you would the, stay the, with the, four the autonomous thing. Yeah, the, the autonomous driving thing, and I I, I think that's a big deal. Um, coming, coming in, in the future, we, I, every, I, I live and die my, my automobile. It's my car, right? I, I want my car. Um, but there's a lot of folks out there that really don't care. They do, they do Uber, they do Lyft, they do public transportation. Um, and there's a lot of pros for that where you use less energy. The vehicle is more, um, used more economically, right? It's, it's actually out there earning money for itself right. or it's, it's over its lifetime generally generating more value for itself and and if you live that lifestyle i mean we saw it with the scooters it's it's, it's something yeah. so foreign um for 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 anybody living <laughs> living in hawaii but um but if, if you could go to a city and you just jump on a scooter anywhere and take it it's electric scooter right you go you can propel yourself down the road and then park it somewhere and then leave it and you come back and get a different one later uh it's that that whole shared economy type of thing um so all these vehicles are really starting starting to move in that direction and i don't i don't necessarily disagree it's just you've got to change the whole mindset <laughs> well and and with the combination sort of of an intelligent approach to sharing and such they'll be essentially like think of like mobility pods right in other words they're just mm -hmm. they're just pods of movement of people and when they figure out where they want to go and they have the ability to sort of combine them in an intelligent manner as uh, so uber ride sharing does you know um, mm -hmm. that, yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of this has to do with this ecosystem, right? This relationship between all these different ways to get around. And of course, Hyundai's, the interesting thing about this is you see Hyundai going after these two huge segments, right? You have Hyundai in terms of this vehicular approach, and then you also have Hyundai Air Mobility. They actually have a direct partnership with Uber. And Hyundai's like, hey, we're going to create the, uh, the, the, in this case, the it's basically like a VTOL, a vertical takeoff and landing, you know, air, airplane, or if I can call it as such. And then Uber's going to focus on that ecosystem, right? Yeah. So we'll hear all about that. Yeah, so, air, 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 aircraft. <laughs> right, yes. right. Very good, very good. All right, let's get up and running, guys. Uh, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Here we go. Always. Okay, hey, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com that's www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live if you're out of sight of our broadcast area uh, go onto our YouTube's channel and see all the crazy videos that Mr. Porter and I have made all over the world um, get on the mailing list which is actually really important uh, let us know you're out there if you have questions or comments on the show definitely get on their website and do that but most importantly is where you can find all the old shows because we've talked about so much to do with renewable energies electric vehicles um, and all the the other the other hydrogen technologies etc etc and just pretty much anything in the energy space or connects to the energy space we've talked about it at this point and if you're interested in a particular topic chances are there's a show about it so go to the website check that out we're also on podcasts networks itunes stitcher tune in iheart and a number of others all carry the solar coaster if there is a podcast network that you subscribe to and we're not on there let us know and we'll, and we'll hook them up 
There you go. There you go. Got some great sponsors out there that have kept the solar coaster on the tracks. Uh, Fairwinds Wealth Management. We have Brian Thomas here supporting as talent and insight and intelligence. Thank you, Brian, for your support. And uh, Enduro Shield Perfectly Clear Glass. We're actually going to hear Perfectly Clear Glass. <laughs> we're going to hear from Gary Dolberg in a moment. He went to InterSolar North America, uh, the first, uh, the, the rebirth of InterSolar North America, San Diego, this past week. And give some updates from the show floor. Uh, also, Sundrum Solar. And uh, very soon, we uh, uh, looks like Solar Edge is going to get involved with us. So thank you, Solar Edge. Uh, this is a call-in show. 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Let's jump over to news and events. All right. Right away. Um, big, big article you sent me. It's actually a PowerPoint um, from Wood McKenzie. Um, it's, it's not necessarily for public consumption, but they have a lot of interesting stuff in here, um, specific to their, their key findings over the next number of years. Um, and it all this is their, their um, renewable energies, uh, power and renewables uh, group. Um, so residential solar market on a sustained growth trajectory. And we kind of knew this, um, but they have data that now says um, installation quarters in 2019 were still uh, some of the best in in recent years so we're definitely up on and in a growth trend eight percent to eighteen percent especially in emerging markets um, things showing up Uh, residential storage was absolutely huge Um, California especially is a major standout but I mean they had they have their issues with uh, rolling blackouts being shut down due to wildfires, et cetera, et cetera. And so just pretty much everybody is, is getting storage in California up 98% year over year. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent increase essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, but most importantly in, in, in my thing here is the emergence of DERs uh, will change the way the grid operates. This is this is kind of the conversation we've been having forever. Now, DERs are distributed energy resources, right? It's all those things that are out there on the grid. Instead of this one big power plant that generates your electricity, it's lots of little tiny things that are all interconnected. And, it, and it's not easy to manage. People don't really understand. You just put power on the line, right? And it goes somewhere. Uh, not really. I mean, it's it really it needs to be managed and handled appropriately because you can you can actually cancel out power if someone's generating, someone else is generating in an opposite phase. Um, you, you'll you'll cancel out all the power that you just generated. So it needs to be done right. Um, but DERs are definitely showing up. Uh, there's there's 32 gigawatt of demand response registered in the U.S. wholesale market, um, and and it's it's a major target for um, these virtual power plants um, projected to grow to 162 gigawatt over the next um, number, I think five years was their, was their 10 years so that, over the next decade. So just absolutely huge. Yeah. So if you'd like to d- dig a little deeper on this Wood McKenzie uh, PowerPoint presentation, it's available online. You can just Google it. You know, this case, in my view, kind of goes part and parcel to uh, this, this kind of, um, uh, movement down of fossil fuels. You got guys like Kramer we cited last week. What's his name again? Uh, Jim Kramer. Jim Kramer. Kind of this, yeah, uh, you know, franchise kind of, you know, commercial, you know, version of, of, of investment advice that's on the news. And he's just going, it's all done. It's all done, you know, fossil fuels. But so these are the types of systems that can uh, take over, for example, you know, peakers and things like that. This can make big impacts across the country and in the world in the next five years. And it's exciting to see that. And the guys, these and Woodmac, they really are kind of the the preeminent analyst to be able to say, yeah, this is coming down the pike. And and then, you know, just on the uh, finance side, we see venture capital and private equity deals, 2.6 billion, 75 deals in 2019, which is a little bit less than 2018. But those two years are stand out far above all the previous years. So so there is definitely interest in the space and it's continuing. Hey, guys, uh, shall we jump over to um, we do have uh, Gary Dolberg on the line, uh, one of our sponsors, Enduro Shield Perfectly Clear Glass. Uh, so we jump over to that and talk about a little about the inner solar North America for a moment before we get going. Absolutely. OK, let's let's do it. Gary, can you bring him in? Hey, Gary, can you hear us? OK. I can hear you fine, gentlemen. Can you hear me? Can hear you great. Welcome to the show, Gary, right. Mr. Dolberg uh, from Maui, uh, also uh, of Perfectly Clear Glass, one of our sponsors. Thank you very much for your sponsorship. Hey, Gary, I wanted to get a sense of what's going on out there. You just came back from Intersolar North America and San Diego. What was your experience like out there? So, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to attend SPI, and so this was the first opportunity I had for exposure, uh, and I'm really glad I went. I think it was um, 
overall, it was a great experience, even though it was much smaller. I think there were some 170 uh, different vendors represented, and it gave me an opportunity to meet with quite a few of the innovators. Um, so that's really what I wanted to bring up was some of the innovations that I saw, and I don't know, again, if they were at SPI, they mm -hmm. may have come on to market since then, but there's a couple of things going on in PV um, as well as racking and, and other areas where uh, we have less participation. Uh, so a couple that I wanted to point out. One was this ISP Solar, company, yeah. which is based out of Montreal. And I had the opportunity to meet with one of the co-founders of the company and promised to send him information on uh, our product and our service and what we can do for them. But they have come out with a solar module, which physically is uh, it's kind of weird looking. <laughs> it's about a fifth of the size of a standard 72 cell panel. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a more of a box than a panel. So it's maybe six or seven inches tall. Uh, but it, it uses a series of mirrors which reflect the sunlight onto the solar cells. It allows them to use, I think their number is 120th of the number of silicon cells on the panel itself. And the mirrors intensify uh, the light 20 times. So they get the same amount of output using 120th the number of cells in the process. This is a heck and of a thing. This, and because of the silicone and the, and the reduced amount of silicone, uh, their big claim to fame is that this solar module is going to cost, and does cost currently, half of what a standard solar hmm. uh, module is costing today. No kidding. And that it's it's. It, I mean, when you look at it, it's 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 clearly very different construction. You know, this idea of using mirrors to amplify the production of solar panels has been around for quite a while. We just haven't seen it done in this particular way, where it's kind of the form factor is. You say what is it? Did you say about a third of the size or something? Uh, it's about a fifth of the fifth size of the, size. Of the panel. And the other aspect of it that I didn't mention is the fact that it is motorized, and these mirrors track the sun. <laughs> eliminating the need for a tracking rack system. So you, you put them in a single most desirable position, and it will track the sun from sun up to sun down. <laughs> That's wild. Um, all by itself. So they actually move those little uh, those little mirror the silicon configurations move. Right. move. That's pretty wild. The optimization. Do it's you amazing. know? It was really amazing. Do you know if he, if they mentioned this was kind of more of a commercial or more of a residential uh, focus? It's both. Yeah. And I went to their website. Um, I actually just finished communicating this morning uh, with, with Dr. Uh, Tooney, Tooley, uh, who was the co-founder that I spent some time with at the show. And uh, they have applications both for residential and commercial solar Wild. with examples of each. So it's, it's available for both industry sites. I guess this comes down to, I love this kind of stuff, you know, but I guess this comes down to, is silicone going to, it's about pricing, right? Is silicon, is the cost of silicon? Silicon. Gonna, silicon. I didn't say silicone. Sil silicone is the rubber stuff. <laughs> silicon. Is silicon going to uh, change in price structure uh, to kind of make this, you know, less relevant? Or is, is silicon kind of where it's at? I mean, do you have any notion of that, Jason? Uh. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> I, I, yeah. Not, not, I mean, it's 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 really hard. It's really hard to. I mean, when when I looked at the product, I, the first thing I said, "Oh, mechanical, mechanical stuff." But it's it's but it, mechanical stuff. You know, I don't like that. Um, and, and so it's parts. really hard for me to for me to say. But but it's it's a completely from what I understand, it's a completely sealed box. This this is this is completely enclosed. There's there's no way for for odd um, dirt and debris or whatever dust yeah, components geckos whatever whatever it happens to be um, so so i mean it's and and they have a 25 year plus warranty from what i understand yeah. i mean that, that that's that's, that's it. i mean that's 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 really significant that's really significant that's i mean they must be very very sure of the product 
So even there, yeah. there are panels out there with only 10-year warranties. So. Well, uh, Gary, <laughs> I'm, are... I'm, I'm glad you brought this one up. This was definitely the top of my list of things to take a peek at and understand better. And I'm really encouraged to know that you're in touch with, the, did you say, the CEO, the fellow that designed this system? Uh, that one of the co-founders. That's pretty exciting. Maybe we can get together and do a show on this in the future. And Gary, your, your product would be applied to that, right, and still make it a functional and beneficial product, I imagine, right? Exactly. The, what's sitting on top of this and on the sides is simple, clear glass, which, of course, we can protect and, and give them the <laughs> anti-soiling and easy, clean benefits of the EnduraShield product. I love the way you're, you're getting deep into the renewable energy industry and finding applications out of the blue, right? It's wonderful. So, uh, hey, let's do this. Uh, and la one last thing before we wrap it here, uh, Gary. Is there anything you'd like to say about the Inner Solar North America show, the first show uh, of this new breed? Well, you can tell that uh, there was a lot of energy in the show. And um, I think it was the innovators. It was, again, a smaller show than uh, someone who had – uh, had the opportunity to go to SPI, but the energy that was in the room, in the expo for the two full days that I was in there was intense. Uh, maybe some of that is the fact that here we are based in Southern California with their new January 1st uh, mandatory initiatives. Uh, oh, but from what yeah. I understand, there are several states that are going under the same mandatory initiatives. Uh, but here we are in California surrounded by people that are uh, basically having to make moves and do them quickly. Right. And so I think the excitement level was great. Very cool. Well, really appreciate it. I'm so glad <clears throat> even if we couldn't make it out there, you did. And we got a little bit of that flavor here on the show. We did interview Wes Doan. Uh, uh, is that his name, Jason? <laughs> Wes Doan, right? Uh, yep. From the Inner Solar, one of the, uh, the, the, the directors of the, the event director last couple of weeks. And he gave us a sense of what was coming. They had the solar games there. They had a couple of other cool technologies and great uh, seminars. So uh, glad to hear it went well. Gary, appreciate your coverage. Uh, let's get that fellow on the air together uh, in the future with this ISP tech and learn more about it. What do you say? Yeah, very soon. And you guys enjoy the rest of your show. All I'll right. Be listening. Aloha, Gary. Thank Thanks, you. Gary. Thank you much. All right, there you An go. An energy show. It's a solar energy show. I get it. The energy in the room. I said it twice. <laughs> the <Okay. energy. laughs> All right, let's get back to our news and events. Get a few more uh, minutes yep. here before we have to uh, move yep. over. So, which one do you want to hit? Next, ne next up, real quick. Um, coronavirus, something that everybody's talking Ooh. about right now, is expected to impact solar industry supply chains. Um, this is this is not unheard of, and and pretty much across every industry at this point, we're seeing that um, a, there's a lot of of pullback from from um, commitments for uh, components to be delivered and and th things to be just moving around in and out of China uh, right now just because of flight delays uh, I think it's all something that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to live with I don't think it's gonna be a long-term impact mm. uh, so so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too much but that there's there's a lot of articles out there that are freaking out that that we're not going to be able to get stuff and I don't I don't I, I would Take a little more conservative view. What do you think? What do you think, Brian? <laughs> on, on, on that, please. Right, and and that'll affect more because we've got the tariffs of of panels coming from China. That'll affect more of the European markets and such than the U.S. market. But um, oh, right, because we're I, already reducing our our inf inflow of of modules from China. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't think we are. I think it's it's just a tariff. I mean, we don't have any domestic manufacturing. And the tariffs were put in place to protect domestic manufacturing we really didn't have any um that they, they have since started building factories but i don't know how many of them are even even really online yet mm. i mean even even tesla's big um buffalo new york factory which we're going to talk about in a second isn't really manufacturing tiles yet well <laughs> tiles is different than panels so though so that's <laughs> <laughs> well let's take a look at what's going on in the world of the wonderful world of tesla what do you say yes <laughs> As the stock has gone ballistic, and uh, what's going on with the stock? Tell us about that, because well, that's kind of right up your uh, your wheel, wheelhouse. Yeah, there. it's interesting. If you're so for a technical, uh, uh, we'll try and keep it to a renewal show. But if you are short the stock, in other words, you think Tesla's going to go down, you borrow the stock, you pay interest on borrowing the stock, and you don't own it. But if the stock starts going up against you, you then have to and ought to buy it back. And so if you're if you're short the stock. That creates a demand to buy it if it starts going up against you and you want to cover it. And so, you know, the stock's up. It was up 20% back-to-back -back days here, and it's starting to feel the effects of gravity. But uh, uh, <laughs> there's nothing really 
there's there was you know this is going on when the coronavirus was was kicking off too. So there's nothing um, which will limit demand a little bit and and perhaps uh, their supply in China. But anyways, there's nothing really behind it other than maybe the shorts covering. Hard to say. We'll see what shakes out. But. Um, well, uh, I think Jason's skipping a little bit here on his uh, his line connected, and we'll see if we can get him back in a second. But uh, we did get to see an article outside of that. Of course, this was supposed to be the year of the solar roof, and those glass tiles, there's a PV Magazine article. This is actually from the 29th, uh, January 29th, <clears throat> and Elon Musk has uh, spoken of these, this exponential ramp-up of its solar, plus, uh, solar glass tile at the Buffalo factory. But on site of some of these systems as they're being installed, we're seeing the label uh, made in China. And so people are going, wait a second, this was supposed to be made in Buffalo in New York. What's the deal? And it turns out, as per this article, they actually have pictures. I love it. It says, uh, from Zhenzhou, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, Almaden Co. in Zhenzhou, uh, in Jiangsu, China. And uh, so these these boxes that people are out there around these solar roof installs taking pictures of the labels. Uh, and it turns out that the, the dummy tiles, the actual just because when you put in a solar uh, Tesla solar roof, apparently some of the tiles are active solar cells and other ones pr- presumably on non-optimal azimuths. That means north pretty much when you're facing north in the, you know, in our hemisphere, then uh, you don't put solar tiles on that side. So those are coming from China. And it looks like the cells that are being manufactured with you know, the, the tiles with the, the solar cells are coming from Buffalo. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if that matters. but Yeah, that's a good distinction yeah, to they're make. Just, they're, just, they're, just, they're just plastic, right? <laughs> Essentially uh, that. It's, yeah. it, they, they look the same so that your roof is, is all uniform, but they're not actually producing any power. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I think this is wonderful that we have a solar roof that probably is going to work and probably going to last. And it's from a company that's super. Can I say this company is stable and healthy? Does that make sense right now, given everything that you've just, we've just said about the stock? Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're gonna okay. you're gonna open a can of worms on that one, <laughs> guys. We got a solar roof. This is great. I, and, and that being said, I that, this is not in our list of articles. I did notice that uh, I think Real Good Solar they had a solar roof, and they're actually in uh, I think in bankruptcy right now. So one of the solar roof competitors is out. Uh, there's a handful of them out there, but this is the one that is, you know, kind of most like a solar roof, and, and it's really exciting. Hopefully, we'll see this thing get installed like crazy. And if they, if it, if it can capture somehow, I'm waiting to see the first development. I haven't seen that yet, right? Especially in California with the mandatory rule of new new buildings having solar on them, right? So if we start to someone's see, going to standardize on it, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if it becomes a standard, for, that's where that's a total game changer because now you're into housing starts in a regular way. And by the way, just kind of related to these big projects that are going in from some of our, you know, our, our collaborating uh, organizations here. Sonin, Jay, I don't know if you noticed this, but they got another VPP community. I think it's in Florida, maybe. Uh, so another virtual mm-hmm. power plant community like the one over in uh, in Salt Lake. I mean, it's crazy. These guys are really, you know, doing some amazing things. We're starting to see a lot of, you know, big things yeah. going in. All right, we got a few minutes left, Jay. Which is your your pick for the last 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 news and events? Uh, well, we need to talk about Tree Hugger article here. Um, why hugger. would you choose solar panels? Um, why choosing solar panels or a hybrid car is, has more impact than you think? And this is an entire article about um, just just psychology, right? Um, when you are the, I, it's a mindset I don't understand. I'm, I'm I'm one of those bleeding edge early adopter people, but I think a lot of folks really don't want to be the first one to get any new technology they want to make sure it's safe and i I call it the fear factor um where where you you're just you're you're not sure if it's going to work or not why would you spend all this money and do all this crazy stuff to your house or your car or whatever and and not know that it's going to work you have to have some confidence but when you go out and you you do buy a vehicle or you put solar on your home it makes it much easier for all your neighbors to do so because they see that it's safe Mm. A certain critical mass or a certain number of people in the community have these things and they don't hear about the problems. They don't hear that there are problems, rather, and they seem like they're working right. well and they're going, ah, well, maybe it's time for me to make this decision as well. Yeah, maybe I, it is. I yeah, totally get yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, the whole peer influence kind of conversation. Um, so, so, I mean, thinking thinking about that, I mean, and I, I, that absolutely speaks to how we do business in Maui, right? I mean, everybody 
it's, it's all it's all word of mouth. <laughs> and then yeah. and Josh, you went to the Maui pro- Maui ESG project, right? And yeah, there was this uh, environmental social governance summit uh, this last week. Uh, Shan H uh, Hodges, Shan J Hodges, I believe is her name. She ran this uh, summit, and there was you know a lot of great stuff going on, a lot of discussion over three or four days. Uh, and you know it was you know of course we've been covering ESG uh, over the last few months here, yeah. so I wanted to go see that. And we got to, you know there were some people there, some you know really smart people coming up with cool ideas. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of what the article talks about, it's like chat is one thing, action is a whole other thing. When you take action and deploy a project mm-hmm. or get an EV car, that is has way more impact than just chatting about stuff. There you go. Do the same thing with your investments. Uh, put your money to work for good. All right, let's jump over to our commercial break. We'll come right back with Hyundai Mobis. Enduro Shield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in Western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. So we are here with Victoria Walker of Hyundai Mobis. And why don't you start by explaining that distinction between Hyundai Mobis and, and or the relationship to start off with. Sure. So Hyundai Mobis is, you've heard of, of course, Hyundai. Hyundai Mobis is the supplier arm of Hyundai. Uh, they're ranked number seven in the world for automotive supplier, um, for OEM suppliers in the world. So pretty big supplier as far as automotives go, but of course they are one of the main um, suppliers for Hyundai. Very cool. And there's uh, really amazing things happening here with Hyundai uh, this year. And we're talking about a concept vehicle with some really uh, interesting new technologies. We're also talking about a fuel cell, I heard you say a moment ago. So we're going to walk around a little bit, get a sense of what's going on here, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to show it all off for you. Okay, so what are the highlights? What's the first thing you want to talk about? Okay, so the first thing is obviously the centerpiece for our whole exhibit. It's called the M-Vision S. This is Hyundai Mobis' concept car um, for what the autonomous vehicle of the future could look like, right? Obviously, the infrastructure isn't quite there right now to have the connectivity that we need. Um, But if you look a little bit closer here, you can see it up close. So it's level 4, level 5, fully autonomous vehicle. And um, so on the outside of the car, it has, it has, yeah, absolutely. So on the outside of the car, it will light up blue when it's in autonomous driving mode. If, if the driver or passenger um, decides that they want to switch to manual driving mode, um, the car, the lights on the outside will turn yellow to let pedestrians and other vehicles in the area know that they've switched to manual driving mode. Um, and inside there's a, there's a driver's seat that'll come out as well as a steering wheel so you can take full control of the car. And of course, one of our biggest obstacles with autonomous driving is going to be connecting with the people and cars around us, right? As as someone who drives the car, I'm able to visually connect with you. I'm able to wave you along in a crosswalk. I'm able to flash my lights at you, whatever the case might be, right? With autonomous driving, the driver's not necessarily as engaged with what's happening outside the car. So the car is going to have lights on the outside of it that are able to communicate with pedestrians and other cars to let them know, no, I'm going too fast, don't cross right now, or I'm going to slow down and I'm going to let you cross here. 
there's some very interesting uh, language I'm hearing in the show this year about the merging of human and machine in kind of a new way. So we're talking about, okay, if you're in an autonomous vehicle, then you're not out you're not out there looking at people and engaging with them, but there are other signals happening with this kind of support of the of the the machine of the of the the vehicle to be able to help kind of engage. That's that's really a new idea. I hadn't quite heard of that yet. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. And of course, like I said earlier, the infrastructure has to be there first. We have to have that connectivity with the roads and stoplights and everything around us in order for, for something like this to actually come to full fruition. Um, because if, there, if there's not technology, right, for example, in a stoplight, the car might not recognize to stop at a stoplight and then go. So we're going to need the infrastructure technology first before we get to something like this. But the possibilities are, are endless with the technology for sure. And Hyundai Mobis has definitely taken in a lot into consideration a lot of the safety concerns that people have. You know what's fun about this is that you know uh, our devices have, outside of all the value they're creating for us, they do tend to separate us from one another right now. They do tend to separate us, because it's a it's an attention thing, right? Our attention focuses on the phone, maybe it, 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 we, not so much on the road, which is a huge problem, or not so much to our family or our friends, which may be kind of a, a, a separate level type of issue. But this, I'm seeing this merging idea more and more and more, so that's very exciting to think about about, about the, the, the vehicle as a home for all of this technology, and then being able to uh, support that inner interaction with, with people around us, with the vehicles around us, with our society. And then with the infotainment technology inside, if you're an autonomous drive and you're if you're an autonomous drive mode, it has facial recognition so you can it will match the lighting and the mood and possibly the music inside to the mood of the driver or the, or the passenger if you want to look at it that way. So, so if you're listening to rave music and you're really high energy, it'll project a certain kind of image on the uh, with a car will communicate that to the to the vehicles around it. Is that what you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So in our demonstration earlier and we're going to keep doing demonstrations throughout the day if you're interested in attending and filming some like B-roll there. Um, in the demonstration, really, the example we use is the Pop Music Awards. So we have our, our driver, he's going to the Pop Music Awards. It, so knowing that the destination is the MGM Grand, he's going to go to the Pop Music Awards. Really exciting, fun atmosphere. It'll pull up on the inside. It'll pull up a 3D rendering of the MGM Grand so he knows where he's sitting. It'll pull up his tickets. Um, and it will also play that fun pop music to kind of get him in the mood for that pop, those pop music awards. It's, it's a really cool demonstration. That's exciting. I'm definitely going to come check that out. Okay, so we have here, what is the name of this vehicle? So this is the M-Vision S. M-Vision S. Okay, and then are there any specs or anything you can share with us? I know it's a concept car, but, you know, uh, be a little liberal. Yeah, so it's just a concept car right now. There's not a ton that I can share with you. Um, if you visit the Future Mobility DIY station, it'll have a little bit more information about the tech. Obviously, you can look at the car right now, and you can see there's not an engine. All of the wheels are controlled individually electronically. And some of the, the Future Mobility DIY tech station, you can build your own, your own M-Vision S. You can build the background and... The, what the outside of the car might look like, and it'll go also in depth into some of the tech that's inside of it. Okay, great. And now, uh, outside of this, you mentioned a fuel cell uh, prominently. What, what's going on with fuel cell? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, we have um, a couple stations over here for hydrogen fuel cell. We have two stations. There's one over there and one over there okay. um, for hydrogen fuel cell. So there's a, a piece inside that, create, that creates the hydrogen, and then there's a piece that pulls the oxygen in from the outside air. And there are some actually on the stations over there, there are some pretty cool like diagrams that I can show you. Um, and so it'll pull in the hydrogen and the electrons will travel up and over and that's what creates the electricity that the car will run on. And the hydrogen ions continue to pass through and it'll merge with the oxygen at the end and it emits water. So it's no emissions. I think we need to go take a look at that right now. Great. Um, the stuff that's inside and some of the use cases, for example, the M-Vision S, but also trams and tugboats as well. Um, for example, I was watching a demonstration earlier. A tugboat is only going to run on three hydrogen fuel cells. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, very interested. Okay. So that talks all about hydrogen fuel cells being used in different vehicles from ferries to cars, you name it. How about same thing over here? Yeah, and what this will do is this will walk you through some of the technology that's inside and show you some of the diagrams that I was talking about. So there's all sorts of demonstrations here. We're also thinking there are potential use cases for emergency power as well as trams and forklifts. So this is the diagram I was talking about earlier. It takes in the hydrogen here and it separates the electrons to create the electricity here. 
and then you have the oxygen intake over here, and the hydrogen, of course, merges with the oxygen to create the water. That's the output to make it, of course, zero emission. Very exciting, very exciting. And from an energy show's perspective, we love hydrogen. We can get hydrogen from, uh, from you know, from our, we can use it solar to develop hydrogen by splitting uh, the molecule and, and, and using it as a, a renewable fuel source. Very exciting stuff. So uh, is, is hydrogen kind of the, the, the fuel of choice for, for Hyundai? Is it a, I mean, is, is a fuel cell is where it's all, all going to go for you guys? Or any thoughts on that? So I don't have any thoughts on that. I think it depends on where where everything goes. There's a lot of, again, infra like we had to do with electric cars, right? There's a lot of infrastructure that would need to be put in place to be able to recharge a, a vehicle like the Envision S um, instead of refilling it with gas. So like I said, a lot of the infrastructure is going to have to change first um, before we make a, a full, huge move to, to hydrogen fuel cells. But, the, but these fuel cells exist presently, right? These, these here? Yeah, so this fuel cell system is, have you heard of the Hyundai Nexo? Okay, so this is what's currently in the Hyundai Nexo, I think it was, was it a concept car that they showed a couple years ago? Yes. The Nexo? Um, yes. Um, the Hyundai Nexo is available and hydrogen fuel cell is a very big thing in Korea right now because it's eco-friendly and the Korean government actually invested a lot of money to promote the business. So uh, I would say for the your question for the, the prior thing, yeah, hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cell is a big thing for Hyundai right now. Absolutely, yeah, very exciting stuff. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to explain everything that Hyundai Mobis is presenting here at CES 2020. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like continually surprised at the level of innovation and the vision that that these that your companies are are kind of painting a picture of, and we're talking about you know 50 years plus 100. I don't know how many years out we're talking about, but it's obviously a grand vision. So thank you very much, Vic Victoria. Yes for taking the time. Great job today, thank you. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you and talk to you. <laughs> Okey Aloha. Thank you so much. <laughs> There you go. But a Hyundai, I uh, hadn't heard of Hyundai Mobis before, uh, you know, one of the kind of many companies that Hyundai has, I guess. And, uh, you know, had some pretty amazing tech there. Jay, you still on the line, buddy? Yep. Yeah, we're all here. Um, so it's, I was impressed and, and interested in their whole um, fuel cell kind of concept there. I mean, it's, 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 I, I'm not sure fuel cells are ready. I think it's, it's great for a, a, a long-term storage option, but I mean, when you're talking 50, hundred years out, I would hope the efficiencies are much better than they are today. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what I, what I am seeing, and I saw a, a theme of, uh, in some of the, 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 the hydrogen, uh, fuel cell conversations, you know, better longevity. You can see it now we're getting acquainted with the range of electric vehicles. When they start talking about, uh, fuel cells, they're showing longer range projections, right? So there's something mm -hmm. happening there. Uh, and then, if, what are you going to say, B? Well, I was going to say, one other way that I see something happening from my world is that if you look and see what stocks starts to run and starts to move, uh, I don't know why they're moving sometimes, but you look back. Um, but it shows that they're moving, and they're moving with some aggression. Ballard Power is one of those stocks that's been very strong. This is a hydrogen fuel cell company? Yeah, they're, and they've been kind of just lagging for many years, but they've all of a sudden caught fire. Ballard you know? Power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. and it's not a recommendation, but just if you pull up a chart, there's something going on there, right? right. Like they've attained some viability or they have a better uh, fit into the marketplace or so, mm -hmm. but it's like it's just one way of sort of paying attention to what what's happening. Right, what's going on in the stocks themselves and yeah, their values. Yeah, interesting. Okay, guys. Uh, well, next we get a chance to hear from Hyundai with this new partnership with Uber in air mobility, and they have this amazing uh, air, aircraft that is uh, is kind of similar to the Bell Nexus that we aired right at the show actually earlier. So let's take a look at this. Well, we're here at the absolutely spectacular Hyundai booth at CES 2020 with Gunsuk Lee, who's one of the chief designers of this amazing uh, aerial technology. Uh, it looks like it's about to change our world and our life. Uh, can you introduce yourself, please? Um, my name is Gunso Lee. I'm working in Hyundai, and I'm in charge of um, system engineer and then concept surgery design of this aircraft. So system engineer and concept. Yes, correct. And then, well, for people at home that are listening or watching, can you give us a sense of what this means? I mean, this is really a grand vision 
or a shift in the way we move around our world, right? Uh, and there's, of course, there's a, a marriage or a relationship between Uber and Hyundai right now, which was just announced, which is really exciting, fascinating ideas. So there's a production component, which Hyundai is taking on, and then there is the ecosystem, I think is the word that the uh, fella, I think Alex, used to talk about uh, what Uber brings to the table. Give us a sense of the overview of this technology, what you think it means for our society. Okay, so um, well, the short background is that Hyundai have been focused on just um, on producing reliable car to the market, and at the same time, we want to understand how people live in the city, and we see that the um, population grows. There's a limitation just improving the transportation on the ground. So we want to see the possibility on the air. If you can use that space, we can maybe have like solve like more problem that we have right now. And Uber is our partner because they have this plan that launching this sharing air mobility services and they have the requirement, range and speed, how many people and everything. And we want to meet their mission from the beginning. So we cooperate with Uber from the beginning and we design, incorporate and develop this vehicle together. So this vehicle is meet Uber Elevate mission for the air mobility service in the future. Very exciting. Now, Uber Elevate Mission. Tell us about this technology here. What is this? What is? What are the specs on this? Uh, how does it function? Uh, what's its power? What's its capability? What's its range? What's this name? Okay, this name is SA1, as you see. We call it SA1. And this is eVTOL aircraft. eVTOL means electrically vertical takeoff landing aircraft. So it's fully electric and has a function vertical takeoff landing because we want it to be welcome in neighbor in this system. So it has to be quiet, also safe. So full electric system and vertical landing function allow us to be welcomed by neighbor. And this has eight rotor in total and in terms of safety, if one rotor fails totally, the other seven can make it land it safely. And we also have the parachute on top. So worst case, we want to make sure that it doesn't harm or hurt anybody and safe soft landing on the on the ground. So yeah. So we've got eight rotors. We've got a ballistic parachute on top, probably calling from the ultralight industry, which we've has been pioneered over the last few decades. Uh, how many how many passengers uh, can it accommodate? Oh yeah, uh, right now it's four passenger and one pilot with some luggage. And so I heard from uh, the Uber um, chief of elevation, I think, of that, that terminology. He's around here somewhere. Uh, Alex, the the he mentioned that uh, there was uh, in the next five or so years, it was possible to have piloted examples of this in market. Does that sound about right to you? And then about maybe in, in upwards of the 20, 25 plus range, started to see autonomous, fully autonomous versions? Um, in five years, I see our first test flight with pilot. And autonomous is our, um, I think eventually we're gonna go for autonomous for the cost and mass, mass manufacturing all that makes it um, affordable for everyone. But right now, regulation, everything, and we have to test it with the pilot in five years for the first time. Got it. And I understand that some changes over the last couple of years with the FAA Part 23 allow for uh, a, a greater rapidity of uh, uh, deployment of new technology because of these new ways that, I think it was performance-based testing, is that correct? Yes. So let me ask you this, what kind of range, what is the use case of this technology? Are we looking at um, you know, suburbs to city? Are we looking at a certain range area? Okay, so it's gonna be operate in city. The maximum range of this aircraft is 60 miles. And it's the maximum range. In city, there's gonna be Skyport in optimized location. Uber has lots of data so they can optimize the where on the uses and where should be the skyport and then average distance from the skyport is 20 to 25 miles. 20 to 25 miles city 
Yes, and with, with 62 two miles of the range, so we go from one point from another point, it's 60, 20 miles. And let's say we use like 20 to 30 um, state of charge of the battery, and we recharge of a bit, and we fly out right away. And then recharge a little bit right away. So with six miles, we believe we can constantly operate during the day and fully, fully recharge during the night, so we can keep like operate this vehicle. I see it. I see it. Do you have a sense of what the battery pack size and, and chemistry might be? Um, um, I would say we are keep developing, and we are we already have. Um, developing the full electric vehicle like on the ground and we are confident that we can meet the um, develop the right battery for this size of vehicle gotcha okay okay uh, very cool uh, I had another another question but it's escaping me right now I'm kind of stunned but it's oh oh so if we think about test cities uh, as I understand I did a little bit of research I have to confess this information is not in my brain but uh, uh, Sao, Paulo, Sao Paulo Brazil which I have, I have family in Sao Paulo, has the most amount of helicopters in the world. And I believe Tokyo has the most amount of uh, pads unused, and New York a second, and then a couple of other cities after that. Do you have a couple of test cities in mind? Uh, right now, we don't have the exact city, but the operator will be Uber. And then Uber has some cities in their mind, and. I would say there's some countries more willing to adopt this system like first than other. Can I guess? Um, no. <laughs> How about Dubai? Dubai? Um, I don't know. We are researching and testing in Brazil. Do you know Uber Copter? In Brazil, testing right now. No, that's the sharing sharing system. The Uber is going on right now. The Uber, Uber Copter with the actual helicopter they're gonna like validate how this is much it is feasible. People will pay more, willing to use this, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. I saw uh, uh, the YouTube video of the Uber copter in the JFK run in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good, very good. Well, is there anything else that you should we should know about this or have we covered most of the topics? Um, I think we covered the most of the topics. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much. Jun Suk Lee, I think it is, right? Uh, great to meet you. An amazing uh, innovation here. And thank you for inspiring everyone with this wonderful technology. Yes, we are super excited. Uh, hopefully, you enjoy this moment. And maybe in the future, you, you will see this on Sky soon. Well, uh, thank you very much. And have a great day. Thank you. All right. All right, so the Hyundai Uber partnership is pretty cool. Uh, you know, not it was it wasn't like that were the only guys going after air mobility. Of course, we sh we showcased Bell Bell's Nexus that uh, four rotor VTOL. I did a great uh, interview with with those folks. You have the Hyundai Uber Group, uh, they're talking about actually, and they're testing. I think it's neat about this is the relationship between Hyundai and Uber is pretty clearly defined. Hyundai's developing the machine, and Uber's developing you know the, the ecosystem and the business, and they're already doing these things, right? So, like, as an example, at the end, we mentioned that they're testing in uh, – that we know that they have the Uber Copter in New York, right, to get to – from South Street Seaport, I think, to JFK. Uh, and mm -hmm. they, so they have these systems up and running. They're testing, you know, using this. This use case is already being, you know, used and tried and uh, with, with, the, with the existing technology. And then he just mentioned, which was interesting, Sao Paulo and Brazil. So they're – I guess there's a, a Uber Copter combo in Brazil, which I totally get as well. What do you guys think of this? Yeah, I well, I did I did look up that Uber Copter and it's mm. actually really really I mean it's kind of neat to watch this thing. They've got it. They've got their system down. So they have an Uber X driver that shows up at your house to pick you up. They take you to the heliport, um, coordinate all your departures and everything. And in in in, in Brazil, it's actually really cheap. It was like sixty. $3 US plus $9 oh, yeah. for the car ride to the helipad. Um, about twice what a cab ride would have cost, right? And a regular Uber drive. But it's it's a 10-minute trip instead of a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour trip. <laughs> right. And that's a low-hanging fruit right is, there with that is, kind of congestion. Which is absurd, yeah. So, so there are definitely use cases out there. And how, I mean, how much how much is your time worth? <laughs> yeah, pretty, uh, pretty rad to think that we are kind of getting to this place of being able to order a uh, you know, an aircraft to get from point A to point B to solve a problem, right? I mean, this is Jetson stuff, right? And it's not just one company, but two companies. And I just saw, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in this show, but 
Toyota and Honda, I think, are both playing in this space as well with their own. I can't, I can't remember which one it was, but so it's really a big, a big uh, area of focus. Uh, I guess you got to go three dimensional if you're going to get from point A to point B in the future with all these people around. And and, and there is a renewable aspect to it because it, it will use less fuel to sit in traffic to go from A to B, and and especially if you've got some ride sharing. Mm. You don't think so? Okay. Well, it no? depends. Oh, yeah, Jay, but, it, but if you've got the, the, some... the current the current the current Uber copter model, oh, absolutely one. not. I mean, these these large turbine helicopters they they blow hundred dollar bills out the tailpipe. <laughs> right. Okay, but very it, expensive. But once you get to an electric VTOL like the Uber Next, the the uh, the, the it's, the it's a different game. But we don't know what the economics of that model yet because they don't they don't even know what their technology is inside. It's just a concept. And if you, but if you can. Uh, Bring more people than just one is what I'm saying versus one person in a car or so mm. on and so forth. Right, right. That's that's the Uber. That's the Uber model where they're going to be able to pick up and coordinate trips from multiple multiple people and optimize that vehicle's use. And that's that's where I think the real value comes in is, is optimizing the use of the vehicle and and optimizing each of their specific skill set and expertise and and knowledge and database and history and everything. You know what I what I find fun about this is where it fits in this. Uh, Kind of chain of range of of of, of mobile mobility options, right? So if you think about like uh, if you, you start, start talking about the scooters, the edge of the last mile, everyone got really excited about the last mile because you know these these guys like Lime and Bird and they came out and within six months they're valued at a billion dollars, like the fastest unicorns you know I- ever. Right, it's not it's mm-hmm. this mobility thing, and then you start looking at something like Uber and Lyft and what they're doing presently, and the electrification of that—that's right around the corner. And then, of course, autonomous component of that. So you got those things happening, but it's still kind of towards the edge of your trip, right? Now, in between, what else is there? Well, you've got this short-range kind of suburb to city, kind of city to airport kind of thing, which is what this fills, right? But there's a whole other uh, conversation which is related more to like the Ampere guys. Uh, Ampere was a show we did with the uh, hybridization of uh, aircraft, specifically the Cessna, I think, 323. Uh, if my, my friend mm-hmm. Dan, mm-hmm. if I'm wrong about that model, I apologize. But that you know, you got this, uh, this, this airplane that now we're talking about maybe a couple hundred miles of range, and it's a hop. And what's neat about that, right, is that <clears throat> so if you look at the density of airports across the country, there's all these little airports all around the United States. We have more density of airports than any other country in the world, as I understand it. So there's that that maybe two to 300 mile range or somewhere in there, not this one we just talked about, but there's the opportunity there to create really seamless, low cost travel and not have to get on a big, you know, a big airliner to get from point A to point B when it's a lot closer. And then, and then you can, and who wouldn't, and who wouldn't want to have to drive an hour to the airport? I mean, obviously our our airport, our airport's close, but on mainland people drive hour and a half to get to their, their major regional hub, right? Like imagine a, uh, a Segway with Roomba, with some lidar on it, <laughs> but I mean, you can see <laughs> you can see how there's this uh, revolution happening at each of those different kind of uh, chains of the mobility kind of market. If I don't know if I can say it that way, but sure. you know, and then you also sure. have, if you wanted to go a step further, you have uh, there's an uh, organization out of Israel right now that is uh, that's put together a commercial airline, electric commercial airline, uh, you know, concept vehicle that's you know I'm sure is going to be moving pretty quickly too. So you've got you know the entire aviation, the entire Entire electrification of aviation is kind of upon us. Yeah, fascinating time yeah. and and concurrent yeah. to technology <laughs> stepping up and uh, the ideas that are coming out is fascinating. And then of course you got to power that, which is our, our our very tenuous rationale for talking about all this cool stuff that we love. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, would, I, I do want to bring it back from the future just a little bit before yeah. we have to end the show. Um, so there's two things about electric vehicles that that are currently going on out there that I want to make people aware of. Mm. Um, the, the holy grail of buying an EV is of course to have it powered by the sun we said driving on sunshine is is the right way to do it right um and and there's a special program from audi right now if you want an ev powered by solar energy buy an audi e-tron they're offering um a a 10-year subscription with the audi e-tron to have it powered by um solar solar energy um from arcadia so if you want a solar powered electric vehicle look at the audi e-tron suv there you go, folks. Great show. A lot of fun talking about air mobility and uh, Hyundai's all offerings from CES 2020. This is the Solar Coaster. We are sponsored by Fairwinds Wealth Management, Enduro Shield, Perfectly Clear Glass, uh, Sundrum Solar, a bunch of other great companies, Soon Solar Edge. Thank you very much for tuning into the show. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday. Never, never enough time. Have a good one. <laughs>